You're listening to the Pull Us Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mirai, a bi-weekly show about how comics, pop culture, and faith affect culture at large. This is part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 12 of the Pull List Podcast. Today on the Pull List, we will take a look at what's happening in the world of comics, or what has happened in the world of comics over the last two weeks or so. Hector will give us yet another super sneaky peek at an upcoming movie. Maybe you've heard of it. It's Captain Marvel. Nope, just kidding. It's Shazam, which is Captain Marvel. Well, that's... that's. Oh, I'm sorry. Stop. It's, conf- it's, confus- <laughs> it's confusing, but it's still interesting. But we'll also take a look at what's been in our polls for the last couple of weeks as well. You're listening to Chris, that's me, and Hector, that's him. And this is the Pull List Podcast, episode 12. Let's get going. So, Hector... If, if this was a book, we'd be in a trade by now. So, that's what's up. <laughs> oh, that's what's up. We'd have our second trade coming out right about now. So, that's even better. Or, or a hardcover. So, one or the other. It, it's going to be a special edition hardcover. It just probably isn't going to be coming out from DC. Ooh. Anyway, um, let's get to the hey. news for this week. <laughs> yeah, that, that hurt a little. Um, but... Let, let's get to the news and not talk about DC canceling any hardcovers, which, amazing enough, I have not seen in the news in the last couple weeks. So yeah, I don't think that happened this week. That's making me feel a little better about what's going on, so we can dive into some of the more interesting things. So, uh, Hector, what did you see this week that kind of stuck out and you were like, wow, that seems kind of interesting? Um, well, there's been some uh, uproar in the Suicide Squad world and, uh, you know... Guardians of the Galaxy world with a uh, James Gunn being brought back to Ooh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and I know that there are people that feel very heated one way or the other with that. Um, but on a purely uh, continuity based thought pattern, it'll be good to have the same guy that, you know, wrote and directed the first two to finish out the third. Sure. Um, no, absolutely. It's it's one of those things that, you know, the internet and lots of folks have a great deal of opinions on what's been going on back and forth, and probably rightfully so, but as you stated from a story perspective, it's probably going to be good to see that arc hopefully close out with um, its original, you know, creative director in the process, so we, we wait to see what happens next. Yeah, we actually, I uh, got into a di- discussion with one of my... Uh, favorite comic-con people about that and you know a lot of discussion came up between him and brian singer and all of those things and um but you know there's that's a big thing just you know and i believe that's more of a uh i'm not going to say that sound judgment on disney and marvel as much as it is uh it would look bad on them if he makes suicide squad great and they squander that opportunity to have him with guardians that's you know a thought um but then uh, Idris Elba has also been brought in to replace Will Smith as Deadshot. So yeah, so the Suicide Squad is more of a reboot now, is my understanding, correct? Versus a continuation. Is that well, what I've read? It's that's that's what you've read, and that's the thing. But I don't, I don't know how wholeheartedly I believe that as much as they're just kind of kind of pretend the last one didn't happen because Margot Robbie is still. Harley Quinn, and if the report I read recently is correct, they're still going to use Leto a little bit. Um, All right, so uh, we... but Marco Robbie is still solid, right? So 
So yeah. we wandered into the multiverse that is DC, and we're going to come out on some other Earth, and everything will be absolutely fine. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, that that's the hope anyway, and that's as comic book as it gets, so here's here's hoping. I'm looking forward to seeing that, and when I saw Elba got added, I was like, oh, oh yes, this this, this could be quite wonderful. So I am excited about that. You, you can't put Idris Elba in anything, and it be worse. So... You know, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, that no, that's I'm not even going to touch that. That's absolute. I think that is a true statement and I'm just going to leave it be. Yeah. Um. So what else? Oh, we obviously can't go any further without talking about the fact that Disney and Fox, they put the ink, blood, whatever on the paper. It happened. The universe is now whole again, except for I'm I'm not fe- feeling so good, Mister. What? Um, hey, um, rude. So we still need to get some of the last pieces uh, together, but that's a big deal, and we get to finally find out whether we've been planning for a secret X Men or a Fantastic Four reveal in Endgame. And all I have to say is, I want it so bad. I want it, and I get it would be a horrible, squandered opportunity to have the world's captive attention with Endgame. Because everybody's going to watch Endgame just to see how this plays out. Yep. But, I mean, you're going to have the world's captive attention. But on the flip side, it would be really bad taste to drop some X-Men stuff now when in the same sphere of a few weeks or months, we're going to get Dark Phoenix released. And that would almost be like just... That's uh, a really good point. Just dropping a lot of shade on a product. Yes, you own them now, but you to give enough time to distance yourselves from what Fox is doing and alleviate confusion, the only way that I think it would be good is if... Well, obviously it didn't go that well the last time, but if... If, if Disney went in and Joss Whedoned what we have for Dark Phoenix, but I don't, as bad as Justice League is in the opinions of some, um, I don't think that the X Men current franchise can be redeemed to Marvel standards. No, so, and they've got the trailers rolling. We know when that movie's coming out, there's no way like a sudden, well, I mean, they could pull a sudden thing at the last minute, but I would be pretty surprised if that happened. Like they, I'd, I'd be straight up dumbfounded actually, if something like that happened. If the only way it would work is if they straight up just didn't release it. If they're going to put X-Men stuff in this now, it would be better to take that L of the hundreds of million they already spent on this thing and yeah, move and, forward. And I don't think that's going to happen. So to be fair, all I really want is in one of the post-credit scenes, and they can have seven post-credit scenes to this movie, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm going to be super excited. But I just want the first family of comics to make an appearance in one of those scenes, and we get the Fantastic Four and know that the future is bright and that they are there because I would just melt a little bit on the inside. And I don't think that ruins anything. In fact, I was having this conversation at my local comic shop this week. I think the thing that's really cool potentially about dark Phoenix coming out and end game so close is the timelines of what's going on in the Marvel universe actually coincide pretty well in the two events. Yes. With the dark Phoenix occurring with the X-Men being scattered. Sorry, spoilers. You should read that arc right now. If you have not, um, and Professor X being exiled into space, and then the Avengers being shattered by a cataclysmic event through Thanos that technically 
timing could not possibly be better to join those two universes, and I'm really excited about that. Or all of this could be fixed with a convenient snap. So, oh no, he didn't, but he did, and he's right because give Nebula the, the glove yeah. and let's fix everything. Right, and then we can flow right into some Hickman Fantastic Four right off from some Hickman uh, Infinity, and it'd be great. <laughs> are are you really that invested in a future Fantastic Four story? I kind of am because you know what? I feel like it's an, uh, I mean, from movie-wise, it's been forever since the first two, and so we can put some space between those two events. But the Fantastic Four to me is just a great superhero group that's pretty well grounded in terms of their interactions with each other and the people around them that I think hearing some Fantastic Four stories right now would do movies and just us good in general because most of the Fantastic Four are pretty heartfelt stories you can connect to what's going on they usually have some levity so they're a little fun I think it's a real good sweet spot for the future of Marvel in the next couple years to see that happen I just I just don't know of a Fantastic Four story that resonates with people like, you know, that connects with their soul. Like, I mean, mm. you know, pe- people have like favorite stories like, you know, Maximum Carnage or Hush or, you know, Spider-Man, you know, the Jeff Loeb runs and stuff like that. I mean, I, I've, true. Never, I've never heard of someone having like a straight up. That's my story book. That might be fair, um, because a lot of their stories really are, you know, what is the first family going to run into this week kind of thing. Um, I think it's just that their legacy for how long it is and also kind of the neat part that could work really well is in terms of comic runs with Fantastic Four, literally one through issue 50 of Fantastic Four, actually all the way through 52, introduces either a major Avenger... um, or a villain into the Marvel Universe that technically almost every single one of those issues has some key collector value because someone of significant import is introduced into the Marvel comic universe uh, through the Fantastic Four. So you you make a good point that there's not necessarily an... In, or we've already told the stories, um, so do we tell them again of their origin or uh, with Galactus and the Silver Surfer um, being the end of the last two movie series before they rebooted the most recent one that you're right. But I think there could be some cool ways to connect them to the overarching pieces of Marvel by there's a lot of origin stories that happen in their universe. Yeah. I take that. So either way, or the only other thing I've heard that I absolutely would pay money um, at the end of Endgame is Deadpool literally explaining the Fox Disney merger on a whiteboard for five minutes, and that's it. <laughs> I take that. I I take that in a heartbeat. Right? And I was like, I love everything about that suggestion. One of my friends mentioned that, and I was like, oh, that could not possibly be any more Deadpool and so perfect. So you either know- that's a post credit or the beginning of the next Deadpool movie. I want it. Or I personally, as great as that would be, I'd I'd love even a little more subtle. If there's a scene with Black Widow like pew pewing at some things for Deadpool just to walk up behind her with like finger guns, pew pew, and walk <laughs> off. Don't right. say in anything else. Just some finger guns beside Black Widow, and that'd make my soul happy. But yeah, the fu- Disney Fox, it's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing, and the future is bright, and we just can't wait to see more of it. Um. 
And speaking of more things that we just have to see and we have to see now, Stranger Things, I know it's not a direct comic thing, but we're nerdy people. They, and have, it, they have comics. It counts. Right. That's that's true. Dark Horse did run a series, so that's great. So we're, we're talking about this. Um, Stranger Things Season 3, we're finally going to get it. It's going to drop in July, and we have a really awesome trailer. And what, what, It's the first time we've seen a full-blown monster in a trailer. That's a good point. And, um... That's pretty exciting. I mean, honestly, just to see these kids growing up because they're freaking large in this trailer. And um, I'm excited. I think it's I think it's going to be I mean, I've not been disappointed by any of this. And um, so, no, it's going to be fun to see that from season one, the two expectations were super high. And then everyone's like, where do we keep going in this story? And obviously for uh, it's a cliche, but the answer is up. Right. Because. They're growing up, and we're seeing that change. Even from season one to season two, we saw a change. But clearly this time, there's going to be a little more of a jump in terms of time from point A to point B. So it's been fascinating to see them all grow up. Apparently, growing up is literally that central theme that we got from the trailer and that there's still craziness going on. So I, as usual, you know... Nailed it. I'm I'm excited to see where that story goes, and I hope they just keep blowing my mind because it's been super fun to watch that. Um, personally, I'd like it to end with this season. That is the only other thing, to be completely honest, is I am concerned you're running out of runway, which means if you think you hit the story, go out on that high note. So I... Because we all, I think everybody had that issue that there was that one episode that felt out of place in season two, and all of us cringed a little bit on... Oh, you you could take this story from us and it become a little cringy. So I'm I'm definitely on board with that of if you think you hit it and you nailed it, nail it and go out. Yeah. And end why don't we can. Let's end well. And uh I mean give us three really solid seasons. And if you want to, hit us with a movie in five years when they're all freaking adults. Ooh. And, no, yeah, that'd be straight, good. Straight England this junk. And um no, and that's that's a great point that the BBC and a lot of the shows that they do and stuff like that, you know, they keep the packages tight and if it works out then yeah, drop a movie later on and tie that bow on that package. So, here's hoping Stranger Things. So far the things we've been seeing look great. So, super excited for July to get here and for us to finally get that inside of our eyeballs and be able to enjoy that and be nerdy together. Let's see. Did this you, isn't this isn't really news, but it, right. it made me happy. Um, uh, this past weekend for me was the advanced screenings of Shazam, and uh, Zachary Levi, Ooh. after he did the Kids Choice Awards, uh, went to s- visit one of the early screenings, and he stopped outside of the theater uh, to do the exact same pose that Brie Larson did when she visited her advanced screenings. <laughs> Um, like holding the popcorn and holding the drink, but he took the time to intentionally turn the photo to show that he Shazam is drinking out of a Captain Marvel cup. <laughs> so like he and uh, Brie Larson are both drinking out of the same Captain Marvel cup cup in the same pose. And it makes me happy. Um, Zachary Levi has been a super champ with all of this and been really encouraging. And, you know, it hasn't outside of some toxicity among you know, the internet peoples, um, it's gone really well, but you know, just seeing him take the time to do that pose just made me giggle. So that was a good thing. 
that guy is really starting to grow on me just in general in terms of how he handles things in general. His stuff has just been great lately. I'm super excited to hear here in just a few brief moments what you actually thought um, because I'm excited to see uh, Shazam in the next coming weeks as well because I I feel that's a DC property that just was begging to hit the screen, so I'm excited to hear your thoughts. So before we get to that, before we get to the main event, was there anything that stood, anything else that we missed that we didn't talk about? I'm trying to think. Um, Um, Ronnie Cates doing the new uh, Carnage book coming out. Uh, I think they said we're going to get a preview of it at Free Comic Book Day, and then the book will start hitting shelves in August. It's going to be called Absolute Carnage, and it's going to dip all the way back from the first time Spider-Man put on the symbiote suit through Maximum Carnage, which is one of my you know life-changing books in my life. So uh, uh, I, I kind of started Donny Cates' Venom, and I didn't have any beef with it. I just didn't want to pay $4 a week for it. Um, and <laughs> that, Yep, that's fair. That's fair. And Comics um, are expensive. And I'm pretty sure I will actually uh, be all over this uh, Absolute Carnage book. So that that's a, that's a book that has been announced because, you know, lately we've been seeing books getting chopped and or a lot of other things. And it's nice to see, oh, tell me more, that kind of situation. No, so. and I think that's a really great point is and, and Donnie's super dedicated to this story. I remember he wandered into the shop about a year ago for a signing on Baby Teeth. But while he was there, he was going through our back issues. He's like, hey, you got any of uh, Lethal Protector or any of that part of Venom? And I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure I might have some of it. And he's like, why? And he's like, also looking for some carnage. Uh, no particular reason. Um, don't worry about it. And it was before he, any of this was announced. But during his time there, he also was like, I may or may not be writing a book with marvel on a character in this room and of course we had like forty-seven thousand marvel posters on the wall and it's like i see what you did there but i benefited from getting to talk to him and when he was looking for that stuff i was like okay i think i think i know where we're going and sure enough venom got announced a while later so we knew carnage was coming and that dude loves that universe so it should be good venom fans have been pretty happy thus far of what Donnie's been doing. So, I mean, Donnie hasn't done much wrong since Marvel really kind of put him up on the pedestal. So we shall see. Let's see. I think I did have one last thing that I saw as well. Two things. Uh, Doomsday clock number 10 got pushed another two weeks. So doomsday clock will end in 2021. Something like that. Like we said before, um, still, still, yeah, still excited to see that book finally (laughs) wrap up, but, Man, how's this book going to take three years? (laughs) And it's like 12 issues. It's 12 issues. Now, some folks have reminded me, and it's a fair point. The original uh, Watchmen series, same thing. Usually when you have high octane creators working, you get delays. It happens. I'm hoping the payoff is worth it. So far, I think it's going to be pretty amazing. Well, it's been ramping up, especially the last three issues. Yep. So, but yep, we're going to be waiting yet again. Uh And the last thing, because all of our X-Men fans that keep yelling at both Hector and I for not saying enough nice things about X-Men, I hope you're ready, uh, but it has been announced that Hickman is going to come in and he's going to write a series called House of X, and there might be some other things with um, things related, but it sounds like they're doing something kind of off that House of M vibe, which hopefully holds the same weight, because if it doesn't then they're using a really great writer and a really good name so 
House House of M was a big deal in X-Men, so... House House of M, outside of Joss Whedon's astonishing X-Men run, is my favorite mutant-related title of the modern era. So if you go (laughs) and you put House of X pulling on the weight of yep. house of m that would be like something crazy like civil war 2 or something like that so you wouldn't want to do that unless you're going to do it right guys and let's um, hope it doesn't <laughs> civil war 2 because ouch um but uh, we said nice things we're we, excited about yeah X-Men. so we're absolutely excited i think hickman is probably a great choice to write a potentially powerful x-men um story because you know with his runs in the 90s on some of the stuff that he did really did deliver some of Marvel's best little nuggets. So here's hoping that's that turn that they're looking for in the X universe right now. Um, Uncanny X-Men's finally kind of been getting more grounded. So hopefully this is a full reminder of why the X-Men are important in the Marvel universe. So I'm excited. But that's the news, my friends. Uh, Tell us what we've missed. Tell us what you found interesting. You can join in on our conversation on our Facebook community with Love Thy Nerd. Just search for Love Thy Nerd community on the Book of Faces, and you will find us there. And you'll find Hector posting wonderful things, and I post occasionally. But we just want to know, what did we hit? What did we miss? What did you find interesting? Because this is interactive. It's not just Hector and I talking at each other through a microphone, even though that is literally what we are doing right now. but it is about us being able to interface with all of you. So, Hector. Yes. Are you ready for the main event? Is I know. This the main event? Okay, sure. This is the main event that I think you have been waiting for ever yeah. since Shazam got announced. I, I was waiting for this before Shazam got announced. So. <laughs> he didn't even know that he wanted this to be part of his life. Well, no. What I did know is I didn't. what I didn't want Zachary Levi to be limited to in a superhero capacity was being one of Thor's sidekicks. So I was waiting for this for whatever role it was other than that. And you got to finally see a preview of it before the rest of us schlubs, because like I said in our last episode, it doesn't matter what happens. Hector is going to beat me into a movie theater every time. And he did. And okay, Hector, we did the Captain Marvel uh, preview and we avoided the spoilers and we gave some people to chew on. Tell us why we need to see this movie and what excited you most about seeing this movie other than your boy finally getting to be amazing um let let me just say this this is going to be intentionally dialed back um because i know full well i'm a dc fanboy and i can watch almost anything except green lantern and be happy with it so um yeah i'm a i'm a scale back my own enthusiasm so i don't come across way too hype um so first off i think they did a great job uh it was really fun uh, it was hysterical in some points. Uh, it, my personal thought was that it is uh, Goonies, Big, and Stranger Things put together. Um, you know, that's that's about how I felt about it. You know, obviously with superhero vibes, but there was a lot of elements that felt in between those things. Of uh, it really had those vibes together. I thought that uh, you know with uh, Cooper Andrews, who plays uh, the Victor Vasquez, he's the foster father to all of the kids in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you so also wait, know we should probably we should probably stop there for a second. So you're 
Do we see the Shazam family? Do we get into the whole family thing? Because probably the thing we need to explain a little bit there is is that concept of the Shazam family. If if they're present in this. I know we've talked about it in the comics because the Shazam family is very much front and center in the current comic iteration. I'm just curious if they pulled that into the movie or not. That is a wonderful question, but I am totally not even going to touch that because that'd be super duper spoilers. Ooh. Um, but what I will say is that young Billy Batson does find himself living an, in a foster home with a, an eclectic group of adorable children. Um, and the foster parent, uh, who as you would recognize as Jerry from The Walking Dead, Victor Vasquez, is wonderful. Um I thought that the foster kids uh, were great. And if you are reading the Shazam comics, you can definitely see the groundwork of what could be there. Um, but uh, I got to say this. I thought the performances were really dope. Um, the kid who played Freddie Freeman um, was fantastic. Um, I think the personally, I think the kid that played Freddie Freeman was a better actor than the kid who played Billy Batson. Um but they're also different roles, but whatever. It was fun. Had a blast. Laughed through a lot of it. Um, what really surprised me is how flipping good Mark Strong was. Um, if you're familiar with Mark Strong, he is well endowed in the comic book world. As uh, he's, he's a staple. He's like the Mark Shepard of the comic book world. He just finds himself in everything. Um, he's... He's been in Kick-Ass, he's been in Green Lantern, he's been in The Kingsman. Um, I mean, this dude has been all up in some comic book movies. He's done a uh, few things, is what you're trying to say. Just he's one done or a two few things. things. Yeah. Okay. And if, if, you've, if you've watched an assortment of, ha- of superhero or comic book movies in the last 20 years, uh, you've seen Mark Strong in a variety of roles. Um and so to get the same dude that played Sinestro uh, playing uh, Thaddeus Savannah, I was I was a bit skeptical. I'm like, oh no, please don't give us another lame throwaway villain that Mark Strong is going to have to play and then walk away in shame. Um, because I think Mark Strong would have been a fantastic Sinestro in the right circumstances. Um, but no, I think that's I, very valid. Just that movie, just ugh. Yeah, you already said we're not going to talk about it. We talked about it anyway. Um, But in saying this, I really was surprised at how good uh, Mark Strong made the character of Savannah. Like Savannah at best is like Dr. Scratch and Sniff from Animaniacs uh, (laughs) with a little more attitude. Um, And, you know, he's never been a character of a lot of depth or girth. When it comes to the presence he brings to a movie. So the idea that he was uh, going to be the big bad in this film did not excite me. But let me tell you, I was not disappointed. I thought he did fantastic. And one of the great things um, about the movie is the fact that uh, you get just as much focus almost. It's almost just a two-part story. You get as much focus on him as you do on Shazam. Which is nice, um, because you actually do have a good picture of what you're dealing with. But if you're familiar at all with uh, the story of Shazam, uh, you know that Shazam gets his powers 
uh, from the Rock of Eternity, but specifically from Seven, uh, or maybe it's not Seven, I think it's Seven, from Seven uh, historical slash mystical figures. Like he gets powers from Solomon, from Hercules, from and different characters like that. And that's where his powers come from. Um, well, on the flip side, he's tasked with the responsibility of guarding the seven deadly sins of mankind. That's a little heavy load for uh, little Billy Batson here, but you also kind of gave a lot of powers that he got at the same time. But wow, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that's the that's the cool thing of it is, um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, no spoilers in this capacity, but where uh batson gets his powers from the seven heroes uh savannah gets his powers from the sins so it's not even just that he's like a mad scientist they are literally yin and yang opposite sides of the same spectrum um and you know their powers are pitted against each other um except savannah was prepared for this and batson was obviously not so it's it's got a lot of heart when it comes to that. But I will say this. Uh, kudos to DC on two things. First off, actually calling them sins. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, because uh, in a... When, you know, DC is pretty much the best in our industry for animated films. Like I just said animated weird. But... Um, but for animated films, we, you know, yeah, I get it. Marvel's, you know, great with like actual box office stuff. Yep. But DC has been controlling the animated market for a long time. Um, and that's of note for those of you that haven't heard us say it before. We'll interject real quick here. Yeah, you, you should go and check out DC's uh, animated universe and the stuff that's available because most of it, you are not going to go wrong. You are going to enjoy it. The voice acting is solid and the stories are great. So for whatever reason, they just knock it out of the park on animated movies. Um, so hit pause, go watch well, something right now. Well, they've got the weight of Warner Brothers <laughs> behind them. Warner Brothers has point. been making great animation forever. So these are these are people that made Batman the Animated Series and Tiny Toons and what Animaniacs. I mean, Warner Brothers knows their stuff. So they already had a studio built for this. Yep, but, and they've been uh, killing it. But in one of their outings, they did a Shazam story. Not a full feature film, but they did a, a chunky sized animated piece uh, where they focused on Shazam. And one of the things that uh, just kind of grinded my gears is that they wouldn't call the seven deadly sins of mankind sins. Um, they found some other weak sauce word to describe them, uh, but they wouldn't use the word sin. And I get it. Uh, if you use the word sin, it brings a whole world of spiritual connotations to it. Um, but they did not shy away from this. And in fact, they, uh, they embraced it pretty well. But, uh, on the flip side, you actually see physical manifestations of the sins and they were intense. Like, let me flip this from, yes, this is a kudos, but also I'm gonna flip this around real quick. This is also a warning. Uh, they're intense. Okay. I'm gonna say, uh, they're somewhere hovering around, just above to just below, depending on which one you're dealing with, more intense than the Demogorgon in Stranger Things. Oh, snap. And this, um, this was PG-13, right? This they was PG-13. Yeah. And language-wise, this isn't 
any worse than an episode of Stranger Things or Goonies or any of that. And in fact, it's uh, just about on par with like maybe Ant-Man or Age of Ultron. There is a moderate amount of profanity. You know, I'm not morality policing this, but I'm telling you as viewers and parents or uh, viewers that are parents, if you're bringing kids to this, the language isn't great, but it's not the worst. But uh, the seven deadly sins in this movie are flipping intense. Uh, they're pretty well done. And uh, my five-year-old did not handle that well. Uh, you know, we were all really excited about this movie. We bought the advance tickets and we went as a squad to go see it. Uh, my older two kids, uh, which are 11 and 8, loved it. They didn't have any problem with it. Um, my five-year-old, uh, there's a scene uh, where one of the deadly sins uh bites a head off of a human okay so you you heard you heard that here so stuff gets kind of real here in shazam world but okay and and that's and that's not anything i was expecting like you know i was expecting some off-camera stuff or some growly stuff or whatever um but this like legit i was like oh like you get to the scene where you first see them in action and you're like oh they're not playing oh um okay um oh bad touch bad touch (laughs) yeah that's that was that's the thing it it was not it was not what i expected with it that's the thing they blended the intensity of that with the a ridiculous amount of humor that you get throughout the rest of the movie which and um and i'm pretty sure you're gonna hear a little uh negative backlash on some of the life choices that Billy and Freddie make when they're exploring uh his new age appearance and power set. Um in the tra- <laughs> uh, in the trailers you see them go and buy beer and obviously spit it out and they say, oh it tastes like vomit. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh that's what they put in the trailer. Um things get a little more intense in the movie. <laughs> uh as far as like <laughs> Um, things that made my wife cut me some serious side eye, um, you know, like that my kids were watching it. So I'll say this, um, you can get away with taking a young child to see this, but, uh, you need to be aware that this is a PG 13 movie. And while they're not dropping any F bombs and you're not going to see blood, I don't, I honestly don't remember seeing any blood. Uh, this truly is. What you would see if a 14-year-old boy had superpowers. Not... Oh, oh wow. Not, <laughs> um, not what you would see on an episode of, like, a kid's cartoon show if a 14-year-old boy had superpowers. This is the movie Big. If you think back to the movie Big, you know, the amount of raunchy goofiness that took place between two kids at that point, uh, you've got this plus superpowers. Um which so to be completely fair it sounds like you know we obviously want to give everybody fair warning we know we have a cross-section of folks that listen to the show that half of you just went that sounds like the most wonderful thing in the world and half of you went okay i might need to do a little research and you know what that's great that's what we're here for so hector thank you for uh (laughs) balancing our expectations going into this movie do go on Oh, that's the thing. Like my older kids definitely want to watch it again. And, you know, my kids live with me. And so they hear my critical opinions all the time. Um, and my, my, my 11 year old and my eight year old have very strong opinions about everything. And so we hadn't even made it through, by the way, two post credit scenes. 
Um, Noise. Mark your calendars. Uh, two credit scenes. Don't leave. Uh, we uh, we hadn't even made it to the first post credit scene. And they're like, all right, was it better than Captain Marvel and Spider-Verse or just Captain Marvel? Go. And, and like, that's, they're like loudly yelling this in the theater. Um, so I was like, can you just be quiet and let's enjoy this right now? Um, but, you know, they had their own strong opinions. And again, DC fanboy dialing back my own hype train. Um, let's see. Uh, the action was good. The, uh, you get some very um, man of steel, man of steel flight power battles. You know, that's knocking cool. through the air. I'm all um, about that. That you get that. Uh, you get some great battles with the deadly sins. Um, you you get a lot of good action. Um, there's a lot of heart. Um, there's a lot of because this really is a movie about family um, and a lot of in a lot of the ways in a. The primary plot point that you see when the movie opens is that Billy Batson is running from foster home to foster home because he's trying to find his mother. Um, he The movie starts off with him knowing his mother as like a three-year-old, and then his mother is suddenly gone from his life, and he's trying to find his mother. Um, so it's got a very land-before-time vibe going on with Billy, and... Um, and that's a lot of what drives his snark and insecurity. And uh, when my five-year-old saw the deadly sin bite a head off of a dude, I had to move my five-year-old next to me to, you know, comfort her. Um, when my 11-year-old got to a very emotional scene in the movie, I had to switch my kids around so I could hold my crying 11-year-old. Um, because it went that deep with it. Um, so there's a lot. Uh I'd say, you know, I don't, I'm not going to rank it or put it in a place of anywhere. I, it is worth your money. Absolutely. It is worth seeing in theaters. It is worth seeing opening weekend. You need to know that you're going in for a fun superhero adventure. Um, you need to know that uh, it is going to be filled with middle school humor because the main characters are middle school boys. Um, and it's a movie about heart. It's a movie that has just a really a lot going on and it's really, really well done. I mean, Zachary Levi really committed to it, um, to the whole thing. And Mark Strong really delivered as a villain. Um, if you are a deep comic book reader, um, you're going to see a lot of references um, to things that you will understand that other people won't. Um like uh, the fact that Billy really, really wants a tiger. <laughs> um, and the movie starts out with him trying to win a stuffed tiger. And I'm like, oh, Tawny. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I got excited. There's there's a caterpillar in a jar. I mean, there's things that just tell you like, ooh, they're, they're actually paying attention to the fanboys. But the other thing that really made this a lot of fun is the overtly inserted Deadpool like references to its own universe. Nice. Um, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman, all of the Justice League are referenced on a regular basis. And not just the fact that they exist, but like their merchandise is everywhere. Um, like Batman toys are everywhere. Freddy has a bullet uh, that sh was shot at Superman and he keeps a battering and he wears DC universe shirts all the time. Um, and it's not just 
uh, thing for him. Like the whole world is well aware of who the Justice League are and stuff in this film. So it's it's nice to see at least that established thing. And I personally would have been happy to pay my admission price just to watch the ending credits. If that's a, that's an interesting statement. Um, because just the like, credits, just the credits, because, um, you know, like a lot of movies will make animation sequences or things for the credits. Um, I would have gladly paid $7 just to watch the credits. Um, because it was that fun. Um, yes. So I'll say that. So I loved it. Um, I loved it a lot. Uh, without again, dialing back my own enthusiasm, uh, I would easily put it real, real near the top of everything DC's done since the dark Knight. Um, you know, people have their opinions of where that lies with wonder woman, uh, or, you know, someone said that, you know, people are always commenting and telling me things. They're like, oh, Aquaman is the best thing the DCEU's done or whatever. Okay, whatever. Wherever you feel in the world, I'm, again, I'm going to let you have your opinions. This was really well done. Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed seeing it. So just leave it at that. You won't be disappointed if you just go in looking for a very fun superhero movie. Boom. Real fun superhero movie is what I heard and I'm excited based on what you said, so I hope all of you out there in listener land are equally excited to check this movie when it comes out. If you don't know a lot about Shazam, Shazam's a really neat character, and so the things that make that movie and the comics funny and entertaining also can be really endearing, and I think that's one of the things that is going to be exciting about seeing that balance is, yes, uh, you know, a 14, 15 year old kid in middle school having these conversations with his friends also being weighted with the responsibilities of a superhero is what has always made Shazam an interesting character to me. So I'm looking forward to seeing all of that balance and everything play out on the big screen. And hopefully it's one of those things that this isn't the last time we're going to see it because, oh, sounds so good. Let me add two things to that. Uh, First off, you don't need any backstory. You don't need to know perfect. You don't need to know anything about anything. If you have heard of Batman and heard of Superman and heard of Wonder Woman, this is legitimately all you need. They give you everything else. The end. Ooh. Outside of someone explaining a post credit scene to you, uh, you, you don't need a single thing to walk into this movie and just enjoy it. On the flip side, this movie ends very well. And I'm okay. personally satisfied that if it ends setting up for a franchise fine have at it but i also think rather than banking their future on the instability of the dceu they went out and they swung as hard as they freaking could for this story and they if if there's never another shazam movie we got some great stuff and we can walk away from it happy so nice well, prepare your wallets, kids. It sounds like we're all going to the movies here in a couple of weeks, and Hector's going to go three or four more times, I guarantee it. Yep. Um, yeah, yes, Hector, you still continually amaze me with your dedication, but I love every inch of it because we get to partake in that wonderful part of who you are as you share all that wonderful knowledge with the rest of us that clearly don't get out enough. But how do we wrap up episode 12? Well... We still got to talk about all the comics that we managed to read in the middle of going to movies and reading through news and everything. 
Does anyone even know how hard it is to be a podcast host? We have to read all these comics and all this cool stuff about things. Go and see really awesome movies. Hector, it just wears me out. It's exhausting. It's it's a burden that we carry for each and every one of you. And of course, you know, I'll apologize now. You're going to get this episode late because, well, Chris is bad at being able to manage time. Um and it's not because of comics, but still, you're going to get this wonderful thing before Shazam comes out. So look forward to that. But we we still got to talk about the comics. So let's see. I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about some of the stuff uh, that I pulled. And I'll just note in the last two weeks since our last episode, um, I feel like not a lot came out. I, I, yeah. I know I've uh, been scaling my pull back because I, I have to make real money now and I don't get an employee discount and those parts of things make me sad, but um, I still felt like there wasn't much. It was weird, but um, let's see. Uh, I definitely pulled, and it was towards the top of my reading pile, was uh, Firefly had its first kind of one-shot in the middle of its universe, uh, Bad Company. Um, Wait, what? Oh, see? Uh-huh. Uh, I, I finally got the Hector, yeah. So it wasn't part of the regular series. It was, they one shot at it, but it technically falls in the middle of the story. Um, and gave us a little one shot story about some characters that we've not seen in a little while. Shut your dirty mouth. Yep. Holy crap. Yeah. When did this come out? I think it was this week. If it wasn't this week, it was the week before, but yep. Uh, bad company came out. I'm pretty sure it was this week. I missed, I'm buying it now. Holy snot. Yep, there you go. So I'm not going to spoil anything there because I... Ooh. Yeah, I, I. it was kind of fun. It's kind of like... Okay, this is a double-edged sword, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. It's kind of like the Star Wars one-shots that have been coming out where it gives you a snapshot of a point in time in a character's life that we haven't heard all the pieces to. Um, Unlike a lot of those Star Wars one-shots, I felt this one was really, really good. Um... I applaud what Marvel and Star Wars is trying to do with the Age of the Republic stuff, but most of them seem to kind of fall flat because they can't tell all they want to in a book. This one went from point A to point B and gives us the entire origin story of a character that a lot of Firefly folks are going to be excited to see. Dude, I'm so freaking pumped. Ooh. Okay, I think we could, they're on the cover. We can say yeah, this. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. You can spoil it. Yo, I'll let you do it. Yes, um, Saffron, Yo Safbridge, Bridget, whatever you want to call her, Christina Hendricks's character. It, yep. Ah, I'm so excited. <laughs> it's it's a, yeah, it's an interesting look at that character and kind of gives you a little more to why she became who she is. And so this is a Shepherd's Tale, but with Saffron. Yeah, basically. And Ooh. you know what? I kind of enjoyed it. There's it's it's an interesting little whimsical journey down that rabbit hole. And the book ends directly connecting to what sounds like the next story in line anyway. So it's a one shot. But like I said, it does feel like they gave it to us probably to catch us up on her background is my guess. So something to look forward to when the next regular Firefly comes out. I'm excited. Um, Go on. What else yeah. did you pull? <laughs> I also pulled Middle West number five. I've been pulling them off the shelf every week. And I think I'm just going to add this book. Um I don't even know how to describe this book. I know that I do that a lot to our readers, but it's a neat little fantasy story that's going on. Scotty Young is involved and, you know, Scotty do good. Um, but it's not his typical style. It's a really, it's a really neat saturated art style. Um, 
and it's about a kid who's been running from his father. He lost his mother at some point and had been living with what appears to be a deadbeat dad kind of thing. Um, but you find out when he gets angry, he has some type of cataclysmic power that he doesn't understand. And you kind of find out that his dad did as well. So he's running from his dad because he figures out whenever his dad gets angry, bad things happen. And then he finds out when he gets angry, bad things happen, but he doesn't know why. Um, and he has a nifty little fox that talks to him and helps him run through these things. And he's quippy. What does the fox say? It, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> not going to play. Oh, you, you, you just can't, you can't whip it out, huh? No, you almost got me there, but nope. <laughs> nope. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. No. Um, the fox says all kinds of crazy fun stuff. The fox is the smart one. That's what you learned from reading this book. Um, so if you really dig a really saturated art style that's really vivid and kind of fun. This book is just pretty to look at, but it's a pretty interesting little story that's kind of unfolding as well. So I dig it. Um, I'm also, wow, you know, I'm looking over my list and I'm like, image, image, image. <laughs> so it's been an interesting couple of weeks in the, the independent department. I've been reading a book called The Warning and number five just came out and it's been this month-to-month story of this crazy, super tactical, superhuman team involved in this event that kind of feels like a first encounter type event, but it's a sideways, the bad aliens are coming type story. But you don't know that until three or four issues in. So kind of spoilery, but a lot of the art gives this away. And they flash forward and backwards in this story of what's actually going on. And I still don't know what's going on, but it's been a fascinating, fun read because, like, the International Space Station is weaponized in this future and has orbital howitzers that can do craziness. So if you just love, like, super crazy first contact slash hyper-realistic military-type stories, I have no other way to describe it, but it's really fascinating so far. And I guess the short thing is I just really want to see this movie. (laughs) Because it looks crazy fun. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. If you're into that kind of thing, you should pick up the warning because it's pretty wild. Okay. Uh, still reading Black Badge. Um, Matt Kent and his work with his crazy black op uh, Boy Scouts. Um, that story is still great. They just came off from having this Boy Scout jamboree where they meet all the other you find out there are other badges. They're the black badge, so they're the guys that do wet work. They're the ones that literally assassinate or recon targets to be assassinated as Boy Scouts, you know, teenagers. <laughs> they find out there are other colors that have other focuses and that there's a Girl Scout group and they all have their specialties and they go to a jamboree, which is just crazy. These super, super talented kids that are great at killing people go to a jamboree to not try to kill each other, but win. Um they come out the other side of this crazy jamboree and they've been figuring out that one of their members has gone missing and there's something weird going on. And another shadow organization is like chasing them and looking after them. Well, things get real in issue number eight and I'm not going to spoil it. So if this is the kind of thing that you're interested in trying to figure out what the super crazy black ops world of boy scouting potentially could look like, um, they're starting to get to this story is interesting that something crazy is going on besides the fact that the government trains Boy Scouts to kill people, um, you know, like the government does. And <laughs> obviously, um, 
that things are starting to get personal and real for the people that are involved. So it's, it's interesting. And I just love Matt Kent's sense of humor is just my speed. So if you kind of like that dark, sarcastic humor, um, he's, he's there for you. This book delivers. Um, but the art is still great in this book as well. So if you're looking for that weird read, you just don't know black badge. I'm pretty sure the first trades out so you can pick that up and then catch up in real time. And then, uh, Batman 67 and flash 66 were obviously over the last two weeks. I feel like we're kind of in middle stories again, kind of in both places coming after the price. Um, Dude, I, I really feel like, uh, yeah, to jump back into nightmares with this Batman, right? Uh, it was like, we came off of such a high point with the price and to jump back into nightmares, but not only to jump back into nightmares, but to jump back into nightmares with one of the, <sighs> I hate being negative. One of the weakest things I've seen Tom King put out on this level. And here's the thing. It's a concept piece. Yep. Um, yep. And if once you get to the end of the book, if you go back and read it, and because one of the things I didn't pay attention to when I was flipping, because much like Kevin Smith's first issue of Hit Girl, there's not dialogue for yep. the majority of it. And Tom's um, done this before, which at first I was like, ooh, I'm super excited for this because usually there's like a really big point And I went, wait. I flipped back a few times and I was like, wait, where, where? Yeah. Nope. There was, there wasn't. Um, but, uh, the thing is if you, I wasn't paying attention to the sound effects on the page. So if you go back and you read it with the beep beep in mind. Okay. Um, and you do it, you got to personally to make this a redeeming book picture Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote (laughs) and picture the beep beep, um, like Roadrunner. And it makes the entire book better, but oh yeah, see, yeah, that's what it was. Yep. That was it. It was supposed to be the whole book is supposed to be Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner. Yep. Um, especially which is a kind of a tongue in cheek joke of the fact that Marvel or not Marvel, but DC and Warner Brothers just did a Looney Tunes crossover, and that one of his nightmares was chasing was someone, and that's it good. was just was that. So it had it had a lot of subtle layers, and if you were just flipping, you'd just be disappointed. So I, I was sad that this came out after Nightmares. This to me would have been better as a additional add on to another book, not as something I paid four dollars for. Yep. So that's that's pretty fair. So I didn't really have anything else that jumped in the last two weeks. Um, I did partake in Hellboy Day, um, which was on Saturday. That would have been the 23rd, Third. So, depending once this finally comes out. So 25 years of Hellboy. Um, there was some neat stuff at your shop. So if you missed it, I would say go and try to see if you can find at least the poster that they handed out, which depending on your shop, either they will or they won't because I bet that, excuse me, they were pretty popular, but it's a really neat splash on the one side, but on the backside of that poster is a timeline of everything in the Hellboy universe and my head imploded. It literally puts where some of the stories like the one and one through four, one through five part stories that have come out in the last year, like Crimson Lotus, um, voice of the dragon and like that's the Rasputin book and some of that other stuff. It actually shows you where in the overarching Hellboy timeline everything in that universe actually happened. I nerded out just a little bit. So if you're a Hellboy fan, you should go find that because it's pretty neat. You're going to enjoy it. So that's kind of how I spent my week at the local comic shop and buying stuff. How about you? What'd I miss? Okay. So just on that note, 
I just realized the Wiley e. Coyote thing while I was talking to you, and so I just flipped back through the book. Um, when they remember they Batman and the character land in a bar, the bartender is Porky Pig. Okay, so the di- it is a direct connection because Porky's was in the bar as well. That's where that one actually over overlaps. So okay, well yeah. done. Like, cause he says, cause he's stuttering, like, like he's stuttering through the whole thing, and then on the page where the characters revealed, he says William Ernest Coyote. That was the name of the dead man on the roof. Oh, I feel really stupid. But this also comes to another important part: is there was a great deal of discussion on whether those crossovers actually existed in DC proper, which means well, this is still a nightmare. I, it's still a nightmare, but technically him mentioning it in the regular universe makes it not necessarily canon, but it means that the characters in that world are aware of it somehow, and that's fascinating. So the character that Batman was chasing through this issue just murdered Wiley e. Coyote and was running as the Roadrunner. Ha ha. So <sighs> literally, I read this book two weeks ago or whenever it came out, and... I was so angry about it, but now that I've gone back, literally while we're recording this, I'm like, oh, I see what you did there. Ha ha. Uh, (laughs) Well done, Tom. Well Well done. Every now and then, Hector and I can prove to all of you that we are but human. We're but human. All right, so I want to hit a couple things. Um, So it was a light week, as Chris mentioned. So I went back and read the first two volumes of Umbrella Academy. Um, Dang. Because I was excited about uh, the show. I wanted to see the source material. And um, that junk is bananas. Um, B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Like, legitimately, um, my my first thought when I read the books was, like, someone watched the Netflix series, drank an entire bottle of codeine cough syrup, and had fever dreams. Don't, don't, don't do that, by the way. But go on. <laughs> Bad life choices. Um but legitimately, it is so bananas and out there and wacky, comparatively speaking. Um, and the characters are so much more developed in the show than they are in the book. Um, now I get it, different writers, different things. You've got to you've got to shape stories and tell them differently. But I really feel like if you didn't watch the Netflix series and you just read these, you would have a lot harder time remotely understand what's happening um now that's not saying that it's not worth reading i enjoyed reading it and i appreciated what i read um but as far as a comprehensible linear story it's not going to be number one on your hit list um but it is worth reading and the first two trades are on sale on amazon as well i'm pretty sure you can pick them up at your local comic shop so again uh i would say strongly you Enjoy reading them if that's your cup of tea. But uh, the Netflix series also managed to cover the entire first two volumes, and there are only currently five issues past this. So um, they've officially Game of Thrones this in a one-shot, no-look. I read Marv Wolfman's Man and Superman, uh, mainly because I was at a Comic-Con with him last weekend, and I wanted to read it. Um, And it is a very... uh, Batman year one-ish story for Superman and honestly I enjoyed it just because I never put thought into the idea of Superman actually struggling to become a hero or to even find his own identity or his place in society and it put a lot more struggle on Superman than I'd ever 
even given thought to. Um, so that that's a good one shot book. Um, uh, Nightwing, I'm still can I'm still reading it. Nothing has hit me bad enough that I'm gonna stop reading this yet. But there was a moment um, between Barbara and Rick Grayson. Um, still have to like bite my tongue every time I say that. Yeah, that's, um, that dude's not Rick. I'm sorry. Um, but there was a moment between Barbara and Rick Grayson. Um, and this, this is the line. He says, I saw you. I saw you believe in me. And I knew I was going to be okay. And I'm like, mm, tell him, Rick. Uh, <laughs> but but it was it's a good book. It's got good heart. On the same Lobdell front, uh, Red Hood has returned to Gotham. Um, and he is taken over casinos or Penguin's Casino. And Batman stops in to be the intimidating grumpy father figure and red hood takes down Batman with some clever words. And it's fun to watch. (laughs) Um, uh, shredder in hell. Number two, pick that up. Uh, it went from very peaceful and Zen to actual hellish. So that's fun. Uh, immortal Hulk is still going on pretty well. And I'm excited. Hit girl. Number two by Kevin Smith actually has words. Um, so I was, and there's some very, very Kevin Smith words. Uh, some some very choice Kevin Smith words. Um, so that that was my pull. You know, really on top of that was uh, I read both volumes of Umbrella, the Wolfman book, Nightwing, yeah, and um, Batman's doing his thing, and Tom King being really creative with the Wiley e. Coyote stuff. Uh, so yeah. dang it, dang it, Tom. Oh man, no, that sounds like good stuff. And like we've said from the last couple episodes, we've been giving you guys an opportunity, kind of to tell us what you're reading. And honestly, we'd love to hear about stuff you're pulling and reading. So don't forget to hit us up on Wednesdays in the love thy nerd Facebook community to tell us what you're reading. Because if you tell us, we're going to feature it right here, right now in the show. And we featured two of our loyal listeners and some of our followers in the community, the last two episodes. And those were awesome. But Apparently, none of you read anything awesome in the last two weeks, and that makes Chris and Sector Hector sad. See, I couldn't even put my words together, but it Sector does. Sector is a robot s- from Mortal Kombat. I believe. Ooh. So it's a thing now. Um, but it makes us sad and it makes us cry a little bit. So next week, next opportunity, hit us up in the community and tell us that awesome book that you didn't read. And right now, I'd be saying your name in that awesome thing. So. Don't forget, that's what we do here on the Pull List Podcast. We read lots of stuff, but Hector and I miss plenty of things. There's tons of comics that come out each and every every week. So we want you to partake in this podcast as much as we get to talk at you. Um, so make sure you join us in the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community. Like I've mentioned before, you can just search that bad boy. It's going to pop up. Click join and look for us on every new comic book day, first thing in the morning on Wednesdays each and every week. And just tell us what we're missing. But otherwise, Hector, that's it for us. Episode 12 is officially in the can. We hope you've enjoyed getting your comic book download for this week and last week from your friendly neighborhood comic geeks. That's Hector and I here at the Polis Podcast. But remember, folks, we can't possibly do all of this alone. As many of you may be aware, we're not alone on this epic journey of podcasting 
fandom and joy and nerdy things. We're actually part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network, along with two other amazing podcasts. First, we have the Humans of Gaming with Drew and Chris, where they do interviews with game designers and other people that are involved in putting together video games, but also tabletop games. And they really kind of get into the nitty gritty of why creators do what they do and what they build. And then next, we have the Free Play podcast, which is just crazy but it is crazy fun and Bubba and Matt and Kate over there they talk about just about every nerdy thing possible each and every week and then even though it's not a podcast usually towards the end of the week Bubba and Matt get together and they become the infamous beard bros and they pull a game to two games and they talk about what's neat about them maybe things they didn't love but it's kind of a little bit of a game review and a game playthrough and they Facebook live that stuff so you can look at their amazingly glorious beards while they do that right there on your screen in front of you it is pretty awesome and they're pretty funny so you should check that out so you can check that and all of us out over at lovethynerd.com and also find all of our other awesome content there as well we write stories there's articles reviews there's just tons of awesome content over there you should check it out but don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast and join us on facebook like we've told you at least three times during this episode because that's where community happens that's where we get to talk even after the microphone gets turned off. It's really that easy. So that's it for Hector and myself. That's the Pull List Podcast, episode number 12. And don't forget, kids, read more comics. Shazam! No! Oh, no. Wait, sorry. <laughs> but Shazam! And read more comics. Okay, bye. You've been listening to the Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Miron part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Be sure to rate and review the show and share on all the social media. Seven continents is a game of risk.